0: I sense someone's going to get a job, all right? So I declare that in Jesus' name. Someone who needs a job, you're going to get a job, all right? And, uh, and so there you go. I don't know about you guys, I miss my wife. <laughs> been gone for like three days now. <laughs> and on the third day, she came back. <laughs> so, but uh, if you were wondering, like, 25-something ladies are off on a retreat. I, I, I was joking with somebody. I said, well, it's, like, it's like we're having two services today, you know? One up in the mountains and one down here. So there you go. They're having a great time. I'm sure they're having a great time. Well, cool. Let's uh, open in your Bibles to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 24. And we've been learning to steward the kingdom of God. To, we've been learning to steward. The word steward, if you don't know that word, it really just means, it's a word that the Bible uses, but It's a word that means to manage someone else's stuff, to manage someone else's stuff. And so we've been learning that that when we came into the kingdom, when we became followers of Jesus, that we we belong to him and he's our Lord, amen? That means owner, that means master, that means that every single thing we have and everything we are has been purchased by the blood of Jesus and we belong to him now. We were his when we were in sin. We were just in rebellion, right? We were his because he created us, but we were lost, and now he's ransomed us with his own blood, and so we're his two times over. Last week I said we were refried beans. I don't know if anybody got that, though. White baked potato, I don't know, okay. So, we belong to the Lord, and everything we have is the Lord, and we've been learning to manage that, to steward that. So, So He has blessed us. Everyone take a deep breath. You're managing that. Every breath you breathe is a gift from God. Amen? Everything belongs to God and He has chosen to create you to give you life so that you could have a relationship with Him, so that you could partner with Him and have a purpose. Everything you are and everything you have and everything I am and everything I have is a blessing and a gift from God. Every breath we breathe every cent you make, it all belongs to God. Amen? All authority, all life, He is the source of all things and He has graced us, He has blessed us with this. And of course, oh, it would mean nothing if, if our names weren't, weren't written in the book of life, right? You know, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, that's, that's step number one we've talked about recently. Is to, to surrender your life to Jesus. Put your name in the book of life but it's not just about sitting on earth waiting for him to come back, you know? Like we're wait, sitting in a waiting room like at a doctor's office. Who likes that? No, life is about getting out there and serving God and serving people and managing and stewarding what he's given us. But so often we separate the spiritual and the secular when really it's all his, amen? Every scent, every breath, every relationship Your job, your marriage, your home, your finances, your time, every second we live is a gift from God, and He wants us to steward it. That's what we've been learning. That's what we've been learning, right? So we looked at at Luke chapter 6, verse 46, that says, Jesus says to, to us as disciples, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? And He says, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them, he'll be like a man who builds his house on the rock, and He goes on and explains that. And so the first thing we've been learning is that we need to be a people that make him our Lord, that say, Yes, Jesus, you're Lord, you're my master, you're my owner, and we need to be a people that come to Jesus. How to hear his sayings and then do them. And Jesus says if we're if we do that, that that's the way to get our life on the solid rock of the Word, that's the way to receive the blessings of God in our life. And then we looked at last week, Matthew twenty five, verse fourteen, it says that Jesus was telling a story about an owner who went away on a journey, and before he left, he's, a, he's the master, he, it says that he gave, he gave to his own servants his, his stuff. Very clearly, right, in verse 14, it said that, that he gave them, he entrusted to them his stuff. And that's, Jesus was telling that story as a picture, as a parable of the kingdom, to help us to understand that when, when we're living our life under his lordship, We're stewarding or managing his goods, his stuff, and that we're his servants. Okay, so now this is the thing. How do we do that? How do we be good, faithful, wise servants of our master? Positionally, we're sons and daughters of the king, we're sons and daughters of God. We live in the Father's house, He loves us, we're forgiven. But we never graduate from being servants. We're always, at the same time, sons and daughters. The Bible will also say that we're servants. So how is it that we manage God's stuff? How do we manage life? How do we get good at life? And, and, and really, your money is God's money, and your time is God's time, and your marriage is God's marriage, and your relationships and your home, and everything that God has blessed you with Your job, your calling, your ministry is His. How do you steward that and manage that? So it flourishes, and you get blessed as His servant, but also ultimately He gets glorified, right? And we saw in this story here in Matthew 25 that, that He gives us this stuff. We're going to be held accountable, and we're going to be rewarded. See, the servant who is faithful will be blessed. Here in this life, He takes care of His servants. He takes care of us. we we'll walk in His ways. But ultimately, we're looking for that great reward in heaven, amen, when He returns and we reign with Him, not just in heaven, but here on earth. So let's open our hearts to the Word of God here because we're going to turn to the Proverbs, just full of wisdom. And if you didn't know, the Proverbs, it's, it's full of wisdom that is really teaching you and me to steward the kingdom. The proverbs actually were written primarily for princes and uh, kings, or, or I should say, sons of kings, rising up in the court of the kings to become leaders, become governors, and ultimately, you know, some to become kings. The proverbs are written for royalty. You and I are royalty. We're stewarding the kingdom. We're sons and daughters of God being trained and developed to reign with Jesus ultimately when he comes back, but here on earth to manage what he's given us. And everything is under his kingdom. And everything we do and everything we are brings him glory. And so we turn to the book of Proverbs because that's where you get the wisdom. It's not the only place, of course. The Bible is full of wisdom principles all over. But I'll tell you, when you realize, okay, Jesus, you're my Lord, I need to come to you and... And steward your stuff. I'll tell you, when, you're, when you come to that place as a Christian, and you say, oh God, what do I do? Good places start as problems. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me about that this week. I said, Lord, what do you want me to speak to your people about? And he, and he gave me a word and, and, uh, and showed me what he wants us to talk about. And he wants us to talk about cultivating the things of his kingdom. So let's open our hearts to the Word right now. Do ask that you would speak to your people and give us wisdom and understanding. And just as David said, Father, I ask that you would teach us your ways. Show us how to walk in your ways. Lead us in your truth and teach us. Just right now, even in your own way, open your heart to the Lord and to the Word of God. Just say, Lord, my heart to you. And tell the Lord right now, just under your... Under your breath, just say, Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways right now. So, Father, we open our hearts to you. We need your wisdom, and we ask that you would show us how to honor you and bring you glory by stewarding the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen? All right. So, in Proverbs chapter 24, I don't know if I told you 24. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. He starts off in verse 30 saying this. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. <clears throat> he says this, the, 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 the teacher in Proverbs. Most of these are Solomons, but not all of them. He says, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it, and I received instruction and this is the instruction: a little sleep, a little slumber, a little of fo- of a little folding of the hands to rest. so shall your poverty come like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. I know it's a real cheery verse, isn't it, right? Whew. Yeah. so the 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 the, that's what the Proverbs are. The Proverbs are wisdom from people who have watched either their own lives or other people's lives. The Proverbs, to be honest with you, they're actually, and it's actually, uh, this is actually the nature of the word proverb in the Hebrew. I won't go into a word study right now, but they're actually to be like mirrors. They're, a proverb is, is, a, is a picture that teaches you you're to look into the Proverbs, and you're to see yourself. Sometimes you see others, but you're to see yourself and to see, am I the wise or the fool? Am I the righteous or the wicked? Am I, am I the lazy or am I the diligent? They're, they're to be mirrors. To give you an example, if you've ever said, like, if you've ever, if you've ever used someone else's name as a positive or a negative, you know, like sometimes we joke around with each other, and we all, like if good friends like maybe, uh, okay, for example, Dave Metzger, our, uh, our first pastor. Sometimes it happened like two weeks in a row, which became like so really funny. He never did this, but it happened two weeks in a row. When he was preaching, he had paper notes inside of his Bible. That's why I use an iPad now. No, I'm just sitting around. He had paper notes in his Bible, and like two weeks in a row, they like all came out of his Bible, flew and fluttered all around, you know, and he didn't know what to do. And it happened two weeks in a row. Okay, so then if anybody did something like that, what would we all joke, right? Oh, you pulled a Metzger. Right? It's just a joke. It's just a joke. But that's, that's, that's what we mean by a proverb. That, that's actually what the Hebrew, one of the words for the Proverbs, means. It is a picture of a person you either want to be or don't want to be, right? Oh, you pulled a Turner. Oh, you pulled a Courtney, right? Like, but sometimes we do it jokingly. Sometimes we really mean, I don't want to be like that person. And other times we want to be like that person. Okay, that's a proverb. So what's going on here is this guy is walking down the street and he sees a house where the wall is cracked and fallen down and, there, and all like the, the trees, instead of blossoming with fruit on it, they're, they're overgrown with thorns. And there's weeds. It's not beautiful. And it's not really functional. Right? It's, it's kind of ugly. It's run down. It's in disorder. And he stops, the, 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 the teacher in Proverbs stops, and he says, and I received instruction. Right? He's making observations about life and gaining wisdom. Right? And he says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Right? A little, a little extra sleep. Now, it's good to sleep. We all need about eight hours of sleep. But too much sleep is not good. It's good to rest, like take a Sabbath, right? One day a week. But too much rest is not good, right? It's okay, you go watch a movie. But too much TV, too much leisure, too much play, right? It's not good. Why it's important for us to teach our children, yes, have fun. But life is not all about fun, right? Life is about enjoying God and enjoying people and enjoying work. But it is not just all about having fun, right? So, uh, this guy looks and he, and he realizes, man, just a little bit of that. And what, what does he say? Your poverty will come on you like what, though? Like a prowler or like an armed man. Meaning it happens suddenly. Suddenly. And didn't we see that a couple weeks ago on Easter that a person builds their life on the sand and then the storms come and boom, everything falls apart and they say, it was the storm. It was the storm. It was the circumstance. Oh, really, was it? Or was it that you weren't prepared for the storm? Right? And that's what happens when we live in complacency or what this guy says, laziness. When we're not diligently doing what God's called us to do, we're setting ourselves up for a sudden problem. The sudden problem was the circumstance, but we were the ones who set it up for that. So, this is what the Lord, this is a simple principle here, foundational for stewardship. What you cultivate will flourish. Wow, profound, right? And what you neglect will fall into ruin. That's what this proverb is about. What you take care of, what you cultivate, what you pay attention to, what you work on, what you diligently take care of will flourish. And it will ultimately bring blessing to you and glory to God, right? But what you neglect will fall into ruin. And because we're stewards, the Bible calls that squandering, wasting what God has given us. Because it's not yours to begin with, right? That's the weight of this. That it's, in the Bible, it's not just our stuff, it's God's stuff. And when you're managing someone else's stuff, if you're not managing it well and taking care of it, and your master comes over and looks at it, he'll say, you're squandering what he's given you. See, see, think about it. If it's just you and me, if it's just you and me dealing with my stuff, right? It's my stuff. Well, I can do with with my stuff whatever I want. I I can take care of it or not take care of it, right? Who are you to judge me? Right? Don't, don't, Don't judge me. I can just do whatever I want. It's my life. But that's the thing. It's not your life. It's his life. You ever notice like you're, you're far more diligent to, let's say, dress up when you need to impress somebody like a job interview or get your house ready when people come over? You're, you're far more apt to maybe watch your words around somebody. Let's say maybe you're on a date and you're trying to put the best foot forward. Well, so think about it. If you're a manager and your owner is is to visit your store today, he says, hey, I'm going to be there, or tomorrow, it's Monday. I'm going to be there on Monday, and I'm just going to check out how everything's going in the store. Aren't you going to make sure everything is just a little bit cleaner? I mean, even if you're a good steward, you're just going to, just a little bit better, right? Aren't we a little bit motivated to, oh boy, I need my manager to see that, th- that everything's going good, right? That's called accountability. We're far more apt to be diligent when what? When we recognize that it's not just our stuff, it's His stuff, and we're going to be held accountable. What you cultivate will flourish. It is a principle in the Word of God that you cannot defy. But a lot of times, what we know to be the case in the natural realm, like some of you might be really good at cultivating things in the natural realm, we neglect in the spirit realm. A lot of times, we lie to ourselves about things, or we ignore things or we're afraid to deal with things, or we hide, or we make excuses. But none of those things will get the job done. If you don't cultivate it, it will fall into ruin. No matter what the excuse is, it will fall into ruin, just by the virtue of neglect. See, we are responsible for what God has given us. I don't mean in any way that it's not His power. Of course, we need His grace and His power living inside of us. But we are responsible, as we saw in Galatians 6-7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You're not responsible for what you can't do, but you are responsible for what you can do. For example, the person wasn't walking by on the road, looking at the house, making this assessment about laziness uh, to a person who is disabled or something like that, right? What, what, what you can't do, we, we understand. We're not talking about judging somebody who, who doesn't have a physical ability or something. That's why the Lord wants to come and heal us. But when we have a lack, when we have an inability, when we have a spiritual lack, or a lack of wisdom or skill in a particular area of our life. God understands. In fact, the Bible says He has compassion on us. He knows that we're but dust. He has compassion on us. But again, those things aren't excuses for for not cultivating. You You can't say to the Lord, I just didn't know. I didn't know how to do it. When He has given us the instructions that we need. So the Lord, we're responsible. We're responsible to plant the seeds. We're responsible to cultivate. We're responsible to do the work we can do. And then the Lord, to seek the Lord for the wisdom that we need from Him. Listen to some of these other Proverbs. Proverbs 28 says this, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. It's a person who has a priority issue, right? They put, they put certain things that are less important first, and the important things last. The reality is, you work your land, you will have blessing. You don't do it, you won't have what you want. Right? A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he to be rich, will not go unpunished. So many people, they want that quick fix, they want that quick result, they want that quick thing with God, they want that quick thing with their finances. And the scriptures say, no, the faithful, the diligent, the integrist, the one who is consistently working at these things is going to get the breakthrough, is going to get the blessing. But a lot of times we don't put the effort in. We don't do what we need to do. We don't cultivate. And so then months later we say, well, where, where's the blessing from God? I thought God was going to do such and such. I prayed about it. Well, I prayed about it. Well, I prayed about it. But we don't understand, why didn't I get a harvest? Well, sometimes it's because you still need to wait a little bit longer. You know, there is sowing and reaping. It takes time. But other times it's because maybe you weren't planting. Maybe you weren't doing what the Lord had called you to do. Proverbs 10, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. We have to understand the times and the seasons, right? There's times to plant, like in the spring. There's times to harvest. In the summer, that's what it's referring to. That a person who's diligent understands what to do when. And so we need the wisdom of God on these things. But see, we're responsible to steward and to manage these things from God. The blessing of God, the blessing to pour out on you, is not just something that God wants to do for you. It's something that God needs to do in you and through you. This is an essential understanding for many of us. Many times, we're trusting the Lord because He is good and He wants to bless us. We're looking to the Lord, we're praying, we're crying out. But we don't understand how the things work in the spirit realm. And so we expect that God is supposed to do something for us. God bless me. God do this. God do that. And we're telling God what to do. As if we're his Lord, right? And asking him, Lord, Lord, I need you. Lord, show me your ways. God, what do you want me to do? Lord, what's your will so that you can bless that? And a lot of times what we think is that God needs to do something for me. I mean, look, when you're in a, just in a mess and you've messed up and you're drowning and you say, God save me, of course, he's going to pull you right out. He's going to help you. But then he wants to rebuild you. He doesn't want us to be babies. He doesn't want us to be robots. He doesn't want us to be fools. He wants to train us up as sons and daughters of the king to steward his kingdom. And so it's not what he needs to do for you. We need to stop thinking like that. God, do this for me. Do this for me. No. What he needs to do in you. He wants to bless you, but he won't do it unless you're involved. He won't bless you if you can't handle it. He has to. He's determined to this. This is how the kingdom works. If you don't like it, take it up with the boss, right? He has to work it in you and through you. He can't bypass you. He won't do it. He won't do it. It's how the kingdom works. But we don't like that, do we? Because that means pruning. That means work. That means I have to come, hear, do, come to Jesus, hear His sayings, do them. That means you mean you want me to dig? You want me to dig and lay the foundation on the rock? Yeah, there's only one way. You You want want me to be honest about that sin in my life? Yeah, it's the only way. You cannot bypass. He won't do it. He says if you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in much. He has to work it through you. What he's doing is cultivating you to be a person that can receive and manage, steward, carry the blessings he wants to give you. And so if you don't let him work in your life, If you don't seek wisdom, if you don't cry out to God, if you don't come to Jesus, hear his sayings, do them. If you're not doing those things, you won't see the blessing and the breakthrough. Think of it like a, a father who wants to bless his son. His son's a teenager. He wants to bless his son. He wants to give his son a car. But first, before his son can have a car, his son has to have a license. Before he can have a license, he has to do what? He has to take a written exam. Before he can take the written exam, he has to study. And then once he studies and he takes the written exam, he has to, he has to uh, pass the written exam, then he has to drive, right? He has to have so many hours behind the wheel and practice and work at it. And then once he's practiced, he goes and takes another test, the, the behind-the-wheel driver's test, right? Do you think it would be fair for that son to say, Father, you have not given me the car that you promised me? But son, you haven't taken your test yet. Do you see a lot of times we're telling God to do something for us that He wants to do and has promised. He has promised it in His Word. And His promise is to call us up into maturity. But we're sitting here saying, you didn't do it yet. Instead of saying, Father, thank you that you want to give me the car what do you need me to do to get ready for that? What, what do I need to do? What's the step? See, you don't have to have everything figured out. Just like a good father to, to a good son, the father would be there to say, now, son, you need to do this, 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 and this. But the father's not going to do it for him. And by the way, where a mom or a dad, sometimes we want to do things for our children, which is not good, right? You're not teaching them responsibility. But listen, you can't do everything for them, Right? You can even get your kid a job, but guess what? You can't make them show up on time. See, so when you make them, when you do their homework for them, and you do this for them, and you clean the room for them, Oh, oh, you think you're helping them, but you're not, because you can get them a job or fill out their application for school, but it happens when they're actually in the classroom, or what happens when they're actually at the workplace, right? What I'm saying is you can do some things for your kids, and it's appropriate when they're two, but it's not appropriate as they get older. Listen, it's the same thing with God towards us. He loves us too much to treat us like babies. He loves us too much. And He has to work in us, and He has to work through us to make us faithful. And He's teaching us to cultivate the things of the kingdom. So like the Father, He wants to give the kid the car. He wants to give you the promises of God. He wants to bless you. He wants to increase you. He wants to promote you. He wants to do all these things that I've shown you in the Word of God. But He has to work it through you. So the father has to say, now son, study for the test. Now son, go take the test. And when the son has a problem, the father, of course, would come right alongside and say, let's study together. The father is not like pushing you out, making you do it on your own. The father wants to help you. But you, he can't believe God for you. And he can't obey God for you. He'll give you everything you need. You have to trust God. You have to obey God. It's just the way the kingdom works. Listen to this in 3 John 2. It's a prayer from the Apostle John for the church. It's a very important prayer, knowing that it's from the Holy Spirit, and listen to how this thing works. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. If that was the only verse that talked about people prospering and being in health, well, then we could just make some weird doctrine out of it. But let me tell you, it's all throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. God wants His people to thrive. He he didn't make you to fall into failure or to be in ruin or anything like that. He wants you to prosper and be in health, prosper in all things, prosper in all things. Now, of course, all things according to His will, the things that He's promised in His Word. And so here's John saying, beloved, I want you to prosper. In fact, I ask God that you would prosper in all things. But did you notice here, just as, just as, just as your soul prospers, your soul, your internal world, your integrity, your, the way you think, your faith, your character, your wisdom, your will. God will override your brain and override your will. No, but he wants to sanctify it. He wants to be Lord and lead you and sanctify you and teach you to cultivate these things in your life. But Listen, only as your soul prospers will you prosper in all things. Your soul, what's going on in the internal you, your thoughts, your desires, your faith, your obedience to God, your will, your way of thinking is the governor of, It's the it's the thing that's the variable for you receiving the things that God has. As fast as you want to receive the things that God has for you, you want to speed it up. Then let Him prosper you in your soul. Let Him sanctify you. It's the governor. What I mean is, you ever seen like on a car where you can't go a certain speed, you can't go past a certain speed? It's called a governor, right? You're 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 pushing on the gas pedal and you're going too fast. You're about to get a speeding ticket. But anyways, your car reaches a point where it can't go any faster, right? There's a governor that stops it from going any faster. If you want to go faster, you have to remove the governor, right? The more you grow, the faster you go, right? You've got to remove the thing that's hindering you. He has to work it in and through you. So you say, God, why haven't you done this in my life yet? How come this hasn't happened? I want a breakthrough. Why hasn't it happened? Your soul. You. You're the variable. You're the variable. God's word is true. God is absolutely eternal. God's faithful. God is good. God wants to do these things. And He's trying to get you to think like He thinks. He's trying to get you to trust Him, to obey Him, and to walk in His ways. That's what He's doing. Does this make sense? You're the variable. You're responsible. He's working these things in you. Okay. So what we cultivate will flourish. What we neglect will fall into ruin. See, I... I have two used cars. Good cars. Paid off. Praise God. But I have to take care of them, don't I? Just by virtue of driving the cars... The tires will wear out, wear out. The brakes will wear out. Right? I have to make sure that I change the oil. I have to manage those things. Now, were those cars a blessing from God? Absolutely. Especially that they're, that they're not, I have no payments on. The blessing of God. But I have to manage it. Right? I have a house. The Lord blessed us with a house. But I have to manage it. I love my garden. Okay? I've got some flowers, and I, now we start a vegetable garden. And But I'm out there every day watering that garden, about every other day watering it, and I'm out there. i got to weed it. There's a bunch of weeds and such, and I've got to cultivate it. And I've got to do some things right now with my vegetables to get some trellises and such right, so they can grow well. And, uh, and I've got these slugs, these evil, vicious, gluttonous thieves Slugs that want to eat my strawberries. I didn't know until I put the strawberries in the ground how many slugs were in my garden. They weren't a problem until I put strawberries there. I put something they like. See, the reality is is that there's stuff that's always going to come in. I'm constantly weeding my flower bed. I've got these nasty green weeds, and my goodness, I don't know what to do with them, except I just keep pulling them, pulling them, pulling them, and, I, I, and there's some areas I want to plant some more stuff, right? Here's what I do, though. Think about it. If I take, if, I, if, if you take a step back at, 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 at your garden, if you see weeds, and you see things falling apart, and you see things that are dead, and of course, you don't judge a garden necessarily in the wintertime, you know, when things are dormant, but like in the springtime, right? But if things are overgrown and the thorns and the weeds and everything, well, you know there's something wrong, right? Maybe you're not watering it. Maybe you're not taking care of it. And so you have to think in terms of like a vision. Like, what, what do I want it to look like? See, all of us know what something beautiful is, right? In fact, because you were made in the image of God, you're able, even if you're not a Christ follower, by the way, so those, those of you who are wondering about people who don't know Jesus, every human being can imagine what is the right thing? Now, I know people get hardened and deceived by demons, but every person can imagine what it, a healthy marriage looks like. You want to know why? Because we long for it, and when it's not there, people feel un, you know, peace. I mean, they don't feel peace. They feel turmoil or such. See, so I can look at my garden, and I can say that these flowers, this is how I kind of want it to look. Now, I, I'm not like an awesome, crazy gardener person, okay? So don't think like that. I just mean like I can look and say that I want it to look nice. Like, like my grass, it looks pretty much the way I want it to look. When we first moved in, it's like all weedy and everything. I can look at it and say, okay, I've gotten rid of most of those weeds. I'm taking care of it and such, right? But I can look at other parts and say, oh, I don't, I don't like those weeds. I want to get that out of there, right? You look at it and you can see what you want it to be, what you don't want it to be, that kind of a thing. Think about that. What you cultivate will flourish. What you neglect will fall into ruin. So take a look at your life right now, to all the Lord's. What's going on in your life? You ask the Lord right now, God, show me. Show me my life, right? If you were sitting out there looking at your garden, and you look over here and you see your finances, right? You look over here and you see your property, your stuff. Maybe some cars or a house or whatever, your apartment or whatever. You look over here and you see your marriage. Or you see your family relationships. Or you look over here and you see your kids. You look over here and you look at your work. You look at your ministry. You look at the things that God has said to you or promised you or called you to. And you ask yourself is it thriving? Is it what what it's supposed to look like? Or is it falling apart? Are there weeds? Are there thorns? Have things been falling apart? Have you been neglecting some things? Does it make sense? What's going on on the inside of you? Think of your own soul as the garden of your heart, where the Holy Spirit wants to do what? Cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in you, so that you can carry the blessing of God. Look on the inside of you. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit? Do you see one fruit, a little apple of love? Or do you see a a tree flourishing with the fruit of the Spirit? Do you see godly character there? When you look into the different rooms of your heart, are you taking care of your soul? Are you letting God sanctify you? Or have you shut the door to an area of your life and you're hiding it from God in yourself, thinking if I ignore it, it'll be fine. But if you ignore your car, it will get worse. If you ignore it, it will get worse. And you can tell God, I'm afraid. There are people who will say, I, I know I have a problem in this area. Is that enough to cultivate? No, I can tell you I know I have slugs and weeds and stuff. But if I don't do anything about it, it will still fall into ruin, right? So I'm out there every day weeding. I I enjoy it, by the way. I'm out there every day killing slugs. And (laughs) what about my own soul, right? What about my marriage? See, we need the Lord to speak to us about these things. We need the Lord to speak to us about these things. I love this in Song of Songs 2.15. Catch us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. It's a verse referring to marriages. Every marriage, every relationship really, especially marriages, you will have little foxes, little compromises or... Unspoken expectations or some frustrations and some hurt that, if undealt with, will turn into bitterness, will bring division to a marriage. See, if we don't deal with these things, if we don't kill the slugs, they'll eat our fruit. If we don't deal with unforgiveness, they'll steal our joy, they'll bring brokenness to our relationships. And you can't say to God, Well, I was scared, so I hid. Or I didn't know what to do. You can't say that to the Lord. I I mean, that's not a good enough excuse. You can say to God, I don't know what to do, help me. Because what you cultivate will flourish. So are you cultivating the various areas of your life? Are you cultivating these things as stewards of God's kingdom, as stewards of God's stuff? Or are you neglecting some area? Maybe you're working really hard at your job but you've neglected your kids, right? See, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll make sure, like with my kids, they're, all they are really is a mirror to my own heart. Whatever's going on in me, it gets reflected in them. See, a lot of times people will, will have slugs eating their garden, spiritually, right? They'll have the slugs eating their garden, and they'll say, how come God let that happen? How come God let that happen? He wants you to learn how to take authority over demons, how to take authority over sin. He wants you to learn how to get that stuff out of your life and out of your family. So There are many times where Michelle and I are watching the heart of our children, and if it wasn't for both of us praying, and even a church that prays, and if it wasn't for my wife, who is very about these things, things would crop up in my kids' hearts that aren't even necessarily because of us, maybe sometimes. But just because of the world or because people believe lies, right? And there are many times where we have to go after our kids' hearts. We have to talk with them. We have to be aggressive spiritually, but we're gentle with them. And talk with them and expose those lies and pray for them and break off things that might be trying to attack them spiritually, even, or lies that might be trying to get into their heart. What are we doing? We're cultivating the heart of our children because we're responsible to it. Does it make sense? But if I were to neglect them, if I were working so hard, if I thought my only responsibility is the church, which, which it's a huge responsibility. I love pastoring this church. It's not my only responsibility, is it? It's not my only priority. I would miss the heart of my children. We Our hearts wouldn't be connected, but I might miss their hearts, right? See, a lot of times when Michelle and I are, are struggling with an argument, times you know what we've got to do just go have some fun go out on a date talk enjoy one another you know what that is that's that's like weeding right that's like just doing the basic maintenance of life see i'll go out one-on-one with my kids just to cultivate that friendship but it's i'll be i I don't mean to say this in a negative sense but, but it's like maintenance it's just like maintaining things and keeping things fresh and keeping our hearts connected Right? That's you've got to brush your teeth every day. you've got to take a shower every day, right? couple you know, some people got to brush their teeth lots of times, or you know, shower lots of times. No. What is that? That's, it's keeping things up, right? And if you think about it, if you've let things fall into ruin for a while, it's a lot harder, isn't it? Oh, you lack the motivation, it's a struggle. You've got to do three times the work, don't you? You've got to do oh my goodness. See, so if you've neglected your marriage, For years, of course you don't want to deal with it. Just close the door, just, you know, shove it and just ignore it, right? We don't want to deal with it because it's so overgrown. And you are going to have to do more work, right? For those of you who are like, good thing I've been maintaining. Yeah, it's a good thing because if you keep maintaining, if you stay heart-connected with God, if you stay heart-connected with your wife, your kids, you don't have to do as much of the maintenance. Well, guess what's the same thing with your soul? If you've been neglecting your relationship with God for years, oh, it's going to be some work. If you've been neglecting your character and you've been believing lies and, and entertaining things and have, just letting stuff go on inside of you for a long time, the Lord's got to do some work in your heart. It means you've got to address those things. Do you see what I'm saying? So look at your life. What are you cultivating? and what are you neglecting? What are you cultivating? What are you neglecting? Like with our finances, I have to redo my budget like every three months to make sure that we're on top of some things, right? Paying the bills and such, it's not like you can ignore that for very long. You're going to get the letters in the mail, right? You're going to get repo people in. You can't ignore things. You just can't ignore things. So so you've got to cultivate constantly maintaining the stewardship of the finances or stewardship of relationships. But a lot of times where we'll take care of the natural things, What we'll do is we'll ignore character or we'll ignore relationship with Jesus and intimacy with Jesus. You know, one of the reasons why I spend time with the Lord every day and I'm in the Word every day, it's, again, I don't mean this negatively, it's like maintenance. It's a heart connection. It's because I know that I need Him and I know that I need Him to speak to me. Now, again, if it's your life, well, I'm too busy. If it's your life, I don't feel like it. But it's not just your life, right? His life. See, so I come to the Lord because I need wisdom from him to know how to steward this church, to know how to steward this family. I need him to speak to me and reveal himself to me, right? And if I'm not in the Word, and if I'm not listening to the Lord, I'm prone to make a lot of mistakes, aren't I? This is why we need to seek the Lord. All right, so this is what we need. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, show me. Show me where do I need to cultivate? What areas of my life? Okay, go back to how we started. Lord, show me your ways. Show me your ways. Show me what do I need to do in these areas, all right? That's what the Lord wants us to do right now. The Lord wants us to respond to him and ask him, to invite him, to speak into these areas. And as we, as we press into this as a church, the Lord's going to give us specific wisdom and the Lord's going to show us how to steward these things and the Lord's going to show us how to come to Him to hear His voice and to know how to hear Him for these areas of our life. But, but the Lord just wants us to understand if you're not cultivating it, it's time to start, right? If you're not cultivating it, Lord, what do I need to do to pay attention to these areas of my life? All right, go ahead, Tom.
1: Sean and uh, prayer team, go ahead and come on up over here. So how do we do that? That's the million dollar question, right? Sam, can you put that up there for me? It says, "So I say to you, Jesus speaking to us, the promise to us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you." Verse 10, please, Sam. For everyone. Who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open unto us, or you, or me. That's a promise. I was talking to my wife this week, and there's some stuff that's weighing really on my mind and my heart. And it's really absorbing in a whole lot of stuff in my life. And what did she encourage me to do? These verses right here. And I feel a whole lot better today about it. You know, I admit, I feel a whole lot better today about it. So how do we do this? How do we seek? How do we knock? How do we ask? It's just as simple as I'm talking to you right now. For those, I don't know where all of you are at in your journey with Christ. And you say, but Tom, that's so simple. Exactly. Exactly. It's not complicated. It's pretty black and white. Right, Pastor? God says, if you want more of me... Ask If you want more of me, seek. If you want to know what I'm all about, knock on the storerooms of heaven and I'm going to flood you with them. As Pastor Dave's talked about today, there's someone out here who's going to get a job. Why? Because he's been seeking God with you and for you. And the Holy Spirit's saying, yes, it's right and it's time. You have sought, you, you ask, you seek, and you knock. I'm going to ask you to stand at this time, and I'm going to ask you as a response to repeat these words with me, starting with verse 9 again. Sam, please. On three. One, two, three. So, I ask you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open unto you. For anyone who asks, receives and he who seeks finds and he who knocks will be open lord god as we stand on this promise that from hebrews 13:8 it says you are the same yesterday today and forever that those that the promise you made back then is just as real today